What's up, folks? Thank you for hitting the high notes with us. It's hitting the high notes, a Utah Jazz Talk podcast. It is I, Hootran, and we are here to talk some Utah Jazz. I'm here with Mr. Go the Distance 49 himself. What's up, Jared? Jared Parker. I'm good, man. How about you? Oh, doing all right. You know, um, uh, I last night I stood on the ledge of a cliff uh, for about an hour. No. Why don't you step back from that ledge, my friend? I would understand. Um, I, I want to feel what it was like for the jazz fans out there because this has been rough. Um, uh, jazz are on another uh, three-game losing streak, another uh, kind of mind-boggling three-game losing streak, actually. And um, especially when one of those losses of the Suns, right? Uh, well, I, I I do have a theory about that too, and uh, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, and I, I lost my train of thought here, but yeah, so let's just let's talk about a three game lose streak. I went to the Spurs, one to the Suns, both are sub 500 teams. And I, I was talking to people on Twitter about this, that just because the team is sub 500, I don't think that makes them an awful team, but That's then again, true. my tiers in the NBA are like, you have the top dogs, which are like the Lakers and the Bucks. And then right. you have the wild cards, right? The, like the tier right underneath are, are like the Rockets, um, the Sixers, the Celtics, and uh, probably uh, the Clippers, and then and then you have mm, like, do you have the Sixers rated that high? Wow. I have them as uh, so. What are we? What like wild card here? I mean, like a team that if everything goes right, they could be really, really good. But oh, okay. things have to okay. go right, you know. And then I have this like tier of like twenty teams that are all like, hey, they're good. They can win on any given night. And then, and then I had, the, and then I had the really bad teams like the Wizards and like <laughs> Warriors, you know, like like well, the I, Wizards. I, the Wizards' offense is nothing to sneeze at, though, right? Like they sure. can score in bunches. Yeah, uh, but if you can't, I mean, and this release of the Jazz, you can score in bunches, but if you can't stop anybody, you're not going to win games. Right. So their defense is their defense is is as poor as the Jazz right yeah, now. Super bad. Um. But yeah, so like that to me, that's why like when we lose the Jazz lose to the Spurs and the Suns, I don't consider them bad losses because I don't I, I know that they are sub 500 teams, but the West is a bloodbath and there are a lot of teams right. in the NBA that you could just lose to if, you, if you're not 100. Like these are professional players; these are the top 300 players in the world. Um, yeah, like I think it's also important to note that uh, the Suns have beaten some really good teams recently. Like they beat the Celtics, they beat like there was like a list of five teams that they've beaten, and, and that like, happens. Oh, everybody. Those are like, really good teams. Like everybody, I mean, it, that's this is why you don't see teams just sweep everybody every year. You know, right? Like, you're you're bound to lose. You play them four times. Chances are you're gonna lose at least once. Right. And it happens, and and I guess that that does say to the audience that my thoughts on the Jazz are they're not a contending team because the the real good teams, the contending teams. Don't drop these games. The Lakers and the Bucks won't, you know. But again, that's a different tier. So that's that's where my I'm at, I, I guess. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a it's been a weird three game losing streak for the Jazz. Like, yeah. they they lose the first of a back to back. They lose to the Suns with rest, and they just haven't looked um, very good. Uh, if you look at the last ten games, they're like four and six. If you look at the last twelve, they're four and eight. Um, they haven't been very good since the end of January. This, this this month of February was supposed to be their easiest part of the schedule, I think. Or 
Oh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe they had a tough February, but man, this is like their low end. Like they, they thought they could at least win four games here, and mm-hmm. it's been it's been rough for them. Well, yeah, we had that nice little stretch where win four games going into the break, and then it looks like whatever guys did on the All Star break, they didn't come back ready to go. Well, I mean, I, I I know that we're we see that and like we're blaming the All Star break, but honestly, I mean, the Jazz won on a, a deep three with Bojan in Houston. They won on a missed goaltend call against Portland. I mean, the Jazz could be two and you know whatever in their last fourteen, so two and twelve or whatever, or two and ten, whatever it is, two and two and ten. And so I, I think it started before the All Star break. Uh, if you read Eddie Larson's triple threat today, he had a lot of things that he said. January 25th was the day that, like, the Jazz... The triple threat now? I thought it was the triple team. Whatever it is. Whatever it's called. Um, <laughs> no, I didn't and... read it, because I, I read, what, I read what, what he posted, and then I was just like, oh, man, you're right. I don't want to read that. Like, no, this <laughs> the way you're describing it. For everybody who doesn't follow Andy Larson for uh, the Salt Lake Trib, uh, he actually wrote something really funny, because he said he wrote a really long, thoughtful article that no one's going to read because when the Jazz lose, um, his readership numbers goes down. And that, conversely, for podcasting too, um, we notice that our numbers don't do as well when the Jazz are losing. And it's, and I, I get it. you know, Misery loves company and nobody wants to explore more content when the team that you love is not doing well. And I get yeah. that. So. Yeah, but you would think that they would lo- want a company with us, right? So they come to us. Yeah, for... I, I guess misery looks like a bad <laughs> metaphor, but um, uh, just like they just like they're loathing and they don't want things to pile on. And it happens, oh yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. When you work in yeah, a news station, sure. like um, uh, when I work at KSL, KSL ratings would dip when BYU was not doing well. Um, and oh so yeah, that, it just that makes it's sense. The things that ratings are dependent on when teams are doing great, you know. So, um, but um, I, we have seen a lot of things um uh, from Twitter. What what's the big Twitter uh, explanation that you see out there for about the jazz play right now, Jared. Uh, everybody is really down on Rudy Gobert and they're saying he's not defending well. And I'm like, well, neither is the whole rest of the team. It seems like that's true. But and, uh, he, but he had comments saying about how the it's all about Rudy. Yeah. The yeah. Defense starts him. Um, and so I, I do have sort of a theory about this. Like, uh, the Jazz have a really bad 15-game stre- stretch lately, right? Or uh, yeah, 15-ish to 20-game stretch. Yeah. Well, they're they're, uh, they're they've won f- they've won four of their last 12. So right. So that stretch in particular um, is the really bad one. So last 12 games in the last about 15-ish games or so, mm-hmm. uh, the Jazz have seen a lot more five out five five out lineups that we did that the Jazz did not see in the first about 30 games, right? It feels yep. like we saw more five-out lineups in the last month than the Jazz saw in the first three months of the season. Uh, I would I would tend to agree with that. I don't I don't I don't look it up. I don't look at stats, but it just I mean it started with that that Houston game almost without Capella, without uh, Harden, yeah. without Westbrook. Yep. Um, yep. It was around that that area, and um, unfortunately, the five-out lineup the Jazz have not really figured out a way. Like they tried they tried a little bit of zone, they tried a little bit of this, but Unfortunately, it does kind of neutralize, like not completely, but it does kind of neutralize the best it player seems, on the Jazz. 
it seems like it's gonna what's gonna have to happen is that Quinn is gonna have to be willing to change the defensive scheme this offseason or something. Because I think I read that somewhere. I want, I can't remember exactly, but it said something like that up to this point that Quinn Snyder has not wanted to um, basically reinvent the defense or change things up so that we could, so that they could uh, better handle the five out lineup, five out. Uh, and that's, and that's gotta be hard, right? Like he spent yeah. four years perfecting his defensive scheme with Rudy Gobert. Like it took three ish years to really get that defense. I mean, it got better every year, and then last year was kind of like we saw the antithesis of Apex. like, oh, yeah, yeah like this like looks Apex. really good. Like this team can be really good defensively, and then um, a team's got a hold of it. Now they have counters, and like we've talked about, how Quinn is more of a hey, let's make sure we execute right, and if you focus and execute correctly, you make the other team play your game. Yeah. And so by reinventing, it means that, okay, now, now we have to play these other people's game. And in the middle of a season, that's I, I can get that. It's hard. In a seven-game yeah. playoff series, you do have to make those adjustments. And I think they can. Yeah. And I think the Jazz are experimenting with ways, like the Juwan Morgan lineups, the zone lineups. That- I felt like that actually worked maybe even better in the first half of the, uh, of the Rockets game. Better than it did last time, because when Royce went out, because this is something I was watching for when I was there uh, on Saturday, is when Royce went out and they brought in George Yang, I was like, oh, crap, you know, Royce is the best defender that was out there. And then, you know, the Jazz had given up like, I don't know, 36 points in the first quarter. And then they had a really good stretch with Juan Morgan at the five. And George Yang, George didn't didn't do much, but he pl- he he played his assignment okay. He didn't like score a ton on offense, and I think that's what really lost more than I wouldn't say the Jazz defense was all that bad against the Rockets because the Rockets are really good offensively. I felt like the th- the third quarter they let it get away from them. Um, but and I I, th- I said these kind of things on my sportscaster. I felt Russell Westbrook was kind of the key to that game, even more so than James Harden. Harden scored thirty eight, but Westbrook, but Westbrook had thirty four, and he, um, and he and he was really uh, he he did he started some of those uh, some you know what the Jazz possessions look like when when we ha- start the blender. Well, he started some of those, and I'm just like, dang, they're they're beating us at our own game here with the. This freaking blender action. And then, you know, the looks from three we didn't get were great. And we let the Rockets. Now, this is where the defense comes in. We let the Rockets shoot 48 three pointers. And we only shot somewhere in the 20s. And we shot like 20 something percent on those. We shot like 24 percent. So, and they, and they shot 42. And so that really kind of ended up being, you know, the multifaceted ways we lost that game. And it's like if we keep doing that, that we are not going to win games. Like we've been so, winning games throughout the season because we've been one of the best three-point shooting team. Even though we don't take the most of them, we've had really high percentages. And if we keep shooting this poorly, it's going to be a problem. Well, credit to the Rockets. I mean, you can. Yeah, I can't sure. say this. Well, I mean, all three games, uh, games last year, the J- Jazz um, missed a lot of threes. Now. 
is that just because the Rockets have some voodoo, or it's probably more likely that the Rockets play really good schemes to take to make the Jazz take three point shots that are not as good, and the, the Rockets play better defense. It's it's kind of, sort of like the Heat when you play the Heat. The Heat are actually one of the teams that let you take a lot of threes, like corner threes and everything, but their defense is so good that um, uh, teams miss a lot of those threes. So, you know, ca- call it an aberration, but we- we've seen three games this year plus five games last year where the Jazz can't hit threes against the Rockets. It might be because the Rockets are playing a defense that the Jazz aren't equipped to handle right now. Yeah, and... and that, it's a switching defense. Yeah, do we... I am I am interested to see what what additional counters end up coming up because I mean the Jazz are going to have to come up with something because this is the trend now. Well, the, the Jazz, the, I'm a, the, I mean, we'll see we'll see if the Jazz play the Rockets again or not. We'll, um, uh, in the playoffs, so yeah, um, it, it might happen. I mean, unless we keep free falling, um, so that we pl- end up playing like the whoever the second seed is. <laughs> Nuggets, Clippers. I mean, again, I, I've been beating the drum all year that there are no easy matchups in the West. So, seven, yeah. six, five, four, three. The Jazz are going to have a hard time, regardless. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's true. Well, will the Jazz free fall? I don't know. Like, so there's a there's been a lot of talk about chemistry issues um, for yeah, the Jazz. Yeah, I mean. People love to say that kind of stuff, but there's really no nobody has any substantial evidence for anything of the kind. So it kind of blows my mind that everybody's spe- wildly speculating about chemistry issues. And these are, it feels like a lot of the same people that were saying, "Oh, chemistry doesn't matter. We need better players." And now they're like, the "Irony, chemistry right? matters." I'm like, <laughs> "Well, um, uh, when, you, when yes. you hear chemistry issues, what do you think?" They mean by chemistry issues. Well, when somebody says chemistry issues, that that really means like people aren't getting along. Um, you know, not everybody's friendly with each other. Like there's some tension there, and there's always tension in a locker room when you're losing, though. So it's like I don't understand what people are basing their chemistry issues theory on. I mean, a lot of it's anecdotal. They'll say like, well. Um, on this play, he didn't look at this guy properly, or he, you know, he didn't smile at him and and wave. And I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like I'm a, I, I, I agree with you. What, what I think other people think the chemistry issues are what they mean by that. Because when I hear chemistry issues and like when I see what they're talking about, and um, uh, and then I think there are chemistry issues, but not the same chemistry issues that you're talking about. Because um, right. like last year's team. We, we, that was the big talk all last year. Oh, the Jazz have great chemistry. You don't want to break that up. But the Jazz didn't have the talent to uh, run a lot of things that um, – um, and even though the chemistry was – I mean, the chemistry last year was great. Um, yeah. But also took a few years to develop that chemistry, you know, for everybody to get comfortable yeah, with each other. Exactly. And, um, I mean, it took a whole first half of a year for Ricky Rubio to get comfortable right. with, with the system and, and everything. And I get that. Last year's team, like Joe and Ricky, were really good friends, and and yeah. you know Joe, uh, Don, like everybody really loved Ricky. And when yeah. people talk about chemistry issues, like these guys are, are like maybe aren't. I don't think they don't like each other. I think if we and this is an imperfect metaphor, I understand, but I want everybody to think about their jobs. Like where I work, I have like everybody I work with, 
I'm friendly with, but I don't actually go out to drink with all of them or go out after work or do anything. But boy, like when I'm working with them, boy, I really like them. And then there's a few people I maybe I don't hate, but I'm like, oh man, I'm working with them. I'm gonna have to pick up some slack. So yeah. there's a there's a uh, synergy issue is what my my thing is. There's synergy um, that I, uh, I, and I would definitely tend to agree with you is that with the jazz could be struggling with that a little bit, but I mean, yeah, they're still feeling feeling each other out and everything like that. And uh, if things tighten up down the stretch and the, and then they really you know they really buckle down and, and they hunker down and get through some of the, I mean building chemistry sometimes is about suffering through stuff through periods like this together sometimes yeah. sometimes the the losing streaks help build that chemistry so yes. I, don't, I don't think like donovan and mike conley have the same relationship that rubio and donovan have right right but and, and yeah and you don't see donovan making videos of, about mike right, conley right. being jesus and stuff right. but i mean that's not as it's not as easy to come up with a joke about mike i guess <laughs> yeah. i mean again it, it's a friendship thing I, I, there's that we don't have that sort of chemistry but on court i think what it is is that we the jazz in the offseason overhauled half the roster yeah you know only a few guys that were left over and, and we've talked about the complexity of quinn system and it, it doesn't help that Mike Conley missed as many games as he did. Like it sucked that he got injured um, during the time that he did. And, you know, on one hand you can say, well, he's going to be a little more rested for the playoffs. But on the other hand, we're seeing some growing pains now that, you know, with Mike being out, trying to figure that out again. Oh yeah, Um, Uh, absolutely. I mean, he was, he was good against the Rockets, but then he didn't play as well against the Suns. And sometimes I feel like, like recently, Joe hasn't been playing as well, and I'm like, for me, when we were playing the Rockets, and people were saying, people told me that Royce didn't play well, and I'm like, that's not what I saw, and they're like, but but okay, but so we we're playing the Rockets, and I I did not want Royce to come out for Joe. I was like, no, Quinn, no, please, <laughs> yeah, and no. I don't know if I I really feel like yeah, because like I'm Royce hit, Royce hit the three right, and then came out yeah. right after. Yeah, it was a it was a really big like that was a huge shot that kept us in the game, and I was like, man, no, he's playing well, and he's our he's one of the he's our best perimeter defender, and then I'm like he and I don't know what it is, but when it comes to the moment, I feel like Royce is really good at hitting that shot that keeps us in the game, or that is a momentum swinger, and I'm just like, keep him out there, Quinn, please. And so uh, I, I, I think Joey goes has hit big moment threes too. So. Yeah, but Mike. but he was doing nothing for us in that game, and he continued to do nothing for us. Well, my so here my counter to that is that you know uh, in the Houston game in Houston, Boyan hadn't scored double figures and got the last shot and granted a three. You know, so. but that's Boyan, and I think Boyan's talent level is is greater than uh, Joe's. I mean, but the thing is that we don't know. Like you, you we're, we're second guessing. But in the moment, the, there's a reason why Quinn Snyder keeps the rotation. I agree. The he's the head coach. Is, you know? He's the he's the head coach. So I I will defer to him in all things. Well, I, I, like, I, if, I, if I was in if I was I in his shoes, I would. Is, you know, you have to find the balance of like this guy is hot. Let's keep him in versus no. Let's get our regular guys in because you know this is their time. Like he put Boyan yeah. in with the up confidence because he knows this is a time that Boyan can hit a shot. And you know, like confidence is, is huge. Like, and guys, I, I kind of know. Like, like part of the okay. reason, part of the issues I have with that game is, and part of the issues I have right now is, it feels like Boyan isn't given 
as much free reign to kind of go crazy. And I feel like sometimes that he needs that. Like, oh, but at the same time, I feel I, like Bojan has the same issue as Joe, and he doesn't always shoot the shot. She's like, take the shot. <laughs> like, uh, stop, the, the stop palm, dribbling. Now the Jazz have Mike Conley. They have Bojan. They have Donovan. They have Jordan Clarkson. They have, to an extent, Joe Ingles. That guys that like, I know Joe doesn't say and, that he needs to get into rhythm. Yeah, but let's get yeah. five guys in rhythm plus Rudy Gobert. Like we yeah. were seeing clips of Rudy knocking the ball and like the Jazz have so many guys they need to get a rhythm. And last year they didn't have, they didn't need to get Jay Crowder in rhythm. Jay Crowder would just jack the shot up. Yeah. Get, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Like, like Jay Crowder didn't need to be a rhythm shooter. He needed to be a guy like he, like he'll take an open three. Right. And yes. Kyle Korver, a guy that knows how to get open and knows when to take a three. Yeah. He would just take the open three. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, just this year, like, I mean, you have guys who are used to, you being almost wish we guys. had like, you almost wish we had like a Joe Harris type who, yeah, he just, you get him the ball and he'll jack up the shot. Oh yeah. Like, um, just like He doesn't, he doesn't need to dribble the ball. He doesn't need to have the ball in his hands to kind of get a feel because basketball, the rhythm game, you need to get a feel for, yeah. for it. Right. And so I think, yeah, that's sort of a problem. Well, And I think we're also seeing like the reason why in some aspects, the Pacers were okay with letting Boyan get away from them because, you know, Boyan has these random turnovers where you go like, oh, come on, Boyan. Or he'll throw a pass that'll be like, what is going on? It'll be, and it'll look like it. You know what's funny is that people are like, Boyan and Ingles don't have the same passing ability. I'm like, no, but but Joe does throw these weird turnovers that look like Boyan esque. <laughs> yeah. and, and Mike Conley has that sort of same problem, right? Like, um, uh, the problem is that. When you're the main guy, like Boyan was last year, when Mike Conley was the main guy for the last couple of years in, in Memphis, yeah. you're you have more uh, possessions, and yep. so a turnover is not as as bad because you're gonna have you, you have five possessions where you don't have a turnover. Exactly. Now Mike's only gonna have three, two possessions per turn, if turnover. If one of those looks, is a turnover, yeah, yeah, it looks, that it makes looks it bad. Worse, and that's the problem. I, I feel like the Jazz right now have a lot of guys. And it's been the problem, I think, all year. Like we've talked about a lot of ball handlers. Like they have a lot of guys they need to get going. Like yeah, we Rudy, talked about it early. Yeah, yeah Rudy needs to, to get going. Donovan, all these guys, and it's hard to find time. And maybe the front office made a mistake. And and uh, again, Boyan was not their plan A. So you know what I'm thinking. I'm not so sure that they necessarily made a mistake, but I feel like we're we're like one piece away from maybe things settling into place. We're we're missing a linchpin a la Derek Favors. We're missing the guy who's the grinder who does the dirty work and you know, he's just there and plays hard and he makes everybody else just go like, Wow man, he's putting us on his back. Let's do this for him. And I felt like that was really one of the most underrated aspects of having Derek Favors on the team is that he was just like, he was the classic. He had the same sort of like, it felt like the mill, you know, I guess what you can call the mill, uh, mill sap mentality where it's just, you know, lunch pail, come to work, do my job, you know, and kick butt. And I don't care if I, if I get credit for it. And, but, and it, but, but, but uh, a lot of jazz fans, you know, we, we see that and we go like, man, that's, that's our guy. That's one of our guys like that. This guy, you know, he's, he's one of us. He's, he's a Utah and he's like, cause Utah has this very, 
you know, that the whole beehive thing, the beehive state, you know, everybody in working together. People are people working together. <laughs> you know how it goes. Fourth grade, who fourth grade? <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I don't, I don't, yeah, like maybe, I guess, I, I, I'm not quite sure. I mean, it could be. Me like, neither. The jazz, the jazz don't neither. really have that locker room. I, mean, I don't know if a bench energy guy, because I know people want Trevor Booker back and, and all this stuff, you know, and. Please no. I mean, I, people keep saying that, but it's just like if Trevor Booker was the secret sauce, wouldn't somebody not else have him on their roster? I mean, I I, I do miss his energy. I do miss his bench leadership. I do miss his luck. I mean, and Jay Crowder had that too, obviously. Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, but I also and, miss him bitch slapping Roy Hibbard too. And and maybe <laughs> yeah, maybe we're missing that. I don't know. And um, what what I. What I'm scared to say is that, like, I mean, I, I don't. The, the problem is that with saying that, is that oh, like, don't say it. Don't say it. You're gonna miss. You're missing Ricky Rubio. No, no. no. I'm, I, what I'm saying is that. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. By saying that we don't have a guy that's grinding coming to work, here, like, it, it makes us sound like the other 15 guys on the Jazz roster don't do that. And, no, but I feel like I feel like favors like the other guys may do it, but favors like felt like. It felt like for some reason he did it more somehow. I don't know what it is about favors that really. Yeah, I, I never got that sense from favors. Like I never like when you said that, I was like, oh, I never felt that same way about Derrickson. I mean, I thought he was a good player, but yeah, I don't know. I, don't know. I mean, we'll, I, I just I like... kind of fell in love with Derek Favors. Yeah. I, well, I... no, but well, he is the the one part I said about him is not about necessarily the work ethic, but I think the the fact that he would do the dirty work. Yeah. And that is something that that was well, you know, that was something and, and that was well. Maybe that is the the problem. The Jazz don't have, they have too many guys who need to get. I'm not, and when I say that, I yeah. don't the wrong way that they, but they need to get theirs to get going. Like yeah. Donovan needs yeah. to get his. Rudy, we've seen the last couple games, not get his on offense, and it's really affecting his. I mean, the you know the five out lineups have caused him to get less rebounds, but he's also like not trying as hard on rebounds right now. And he, he I agree with that. Yeah. Like, he might be frustrated that. that he's not being able to dominate the game. Like he usually does. Um, or like he did in the all-star game. And he's like, Oh, look what I could do in the all-star game. And now you're not giving me the respect I deserve. I don't know. This is where I feel like ego can get away from you. And I, I'm wondering if that's what's going on with Rudy. I'm like, is he letting his ego get away with him, get away from him? I mean, I, I mean of, it's hard because like I'm, uh, it, I, I, I wonder if they're just getting frustrated because they're trying to run their game plan, and it just takes a little slip up, like one guy not like in the zone, like then Clayton pointed out today in the zone when Jordan mm-hmm. Clarkson's out there, he's not even playing zone, he's just kind of there, he's not even getting to the zone uh, correctly, and that just makes it harder for the other four guys out there, and it it, yeah. it can be frustrating. Like, again, going back to your job analogy, right? Like if yeah. somebody makes your job a little bit harder, you still yeah. may like that person as a person, but you're like, man, I really hope I don't work with this person again. Or I really hope they pick it up. Cause I don't want to pick up their slack anymore. You're like, and, Oh man, why can't they just fire this guy? You know, whatever. And, I, I mean, not even to that extreme. Like so sometimes like you just have, <laughs> like someone has a bad day or like, you just know that they're not as good as they're at their job as, as somebody else. Right. And, and oh maybe yeah. That's, yeah. And you're like, you're like, Oh man, 
that other guy's right over there. I wish I was working with him. Yeah, or like yeah. like for me, I, I, I have new coworkers almost every shift because we just work, you know, different shifts. And I was like, oh, cool, I have a really good team this shift. Awesome. Or some some shifts I get there, I'm like, oh crap, so and so, so and so, so and so here. I better be sure I'm on my game because they're gonna make my job harder, you know, mm. or newbies here. And and maybe that's what's happening on defense with the Jazz right now is that last that year they were sense, so actually. I could definitely last year they were that. so synergetic and you know mm-hmm. every new like where everyone's gonna come this year they're they're still learning you know they've only been together fifty five ish games which sounds like a lot but it probably isn't a lot in the long run mm-hmm. and. You know, one guy misses an assignment, and then it bleeds over to the next position, the next position, because and their defense just snowballs, and then it makes it harder to play offense because like they're like, oh well. And then somebody else has to come in and try to clean up the mess, and yeah. Right. So yeah, yeah I, I think I think they're just got to work on that. We just, uh, um, as Eddie Larson said in his uh, that they're complacent. They got the second seed. They got two all stars. They felt like they had finally got it, and instead of working at it more. They got complacent, so that that makes a little bit of sense to me. Like, all right, maybe they are a little complacent, and yeah. I don't know. So, honestly, it makes me makes me hope that all the guys read it and they're like, "Oh crap, this is what's going on. We're pissed. Let's prove Andy, you know, wrong. You know that that we're not going to be complacent or whatever." I would hope so. I mean, like you when people hope talk something about, lights a fire yeah. under them. I don't know. But when people talk about effort and like carry. As like to me, as I like, I was like, yeah, like, that's a little overrated because if 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 caring was all people needed, then yeah, see, it's like, not about the most caring. Win. The it's people not that about care- caring, yeah, it's about team, but, so many more things than yeah. Just I think caring. I think X's and O's are a little more important, and I think the X's and O's right now are just they're they're just missing uh, assignments. They're just not doing well, and that that's just bleeding over, and it makes you frustrated because you're like, oh man, we need to do that. We we can be better. They have been better. And they know it, and so if they can just just get better at doing the things that they practice, and again, they haven't practiced a lot because of, of their schedule, right? Yeah, and, and do, you, do you remember seeing that uh, that video of Quinn like on the bench, like in the face he was making? Yeah, like just, just staring at like despondent. Yeah, staring to space. I'm like, oh man, that's rough. Yeah. He's in deep thought. So. I can only I can only imagine what he's. Well, he's thinking out there. He's like, "What do I do to get these guys?" Jared, let me tell you here. Uh, usually, when we do podcasts, I either don't have a script. I have like I, I know the bullet points in my head, or I, I make like three or four bullet points. Today, we had we hit nine bullet points that I had written down for this, and <laughs> did it really well. So um, it's amazing. We're killing it. <laughs> so I'm. Um, uh, what's exciting though is that we the Jazz. Uh, we were recording this Tuesday night. The Jazz play the Celtics Wednesday night. Uh, we are going to have the host of NBA Unwrapped from the Unwrapped Sports Network, Mark Belleville, come on, and we're, he's a big Celtics fan. We're going to talk jazz. Celtics preview the game for the listeners. How about that? that sounds great, man. Right, well, so we'll be right back, and um, we'll have Mark Belleville uh, on, uh, after the break. Thanks for listening to this episode. Also, thanks to our Utah sponsors, the Off-Broadway Theater in downtown Salt Lake and the Great Room Escape in Layton, Utah. If you have a second, please leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and all other podcast platforms. It helps us podcast out, and we will enter all written five-star reviews into a drawing for free tickets to either the Off-Broadway Theater or the Great Room Escape. Just write a five-star review, and you'll be entered to win. 
All right, folks, welcome back to Hitting the High Notes, um, uh, part of the Unwrapped Sports uh, Network, right, Jared? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Unwrapped. Uh, Jared and I are both um, part of the Unwrapped Sports Network. We do uh, Sportscasters, uh, which is an app and uh, uh, a video streaming service like Periscope uh, for sports on Sportscaster. Download the Sportscaster app. And we invited... Um, Somebody who does a podcast, another podcast on Unwrapped Sports, talks about a lot of NBA. He's a Celtics fan, host of NBA Unwrapped on the Unwrapped Sports Network, on Twitter, uh, on anywhere you can find podcasts like just like us. It's Mark Belleville. What's up, Mark? Hey, how's it going, guys? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for, for joining us. I know it's a little late where you are, but you're watching, uh, you're watching the Celtics and the Blazers right now in a late game. So, Yeah, I'm going to be up late tonight anyways watching this game, so it was actually perfect timing. Yeah, that works out really well. Um, uh, well, um, uh, we, we invited you on because, uh, well, Jared um, uh, knows that you're a Celtics fan. The Jazz play the Celtics tomorrow night uh, on ESPN, a, a nationally televised game the Jazz didn't have removed from the schedule, ironically. Weird, huh? <laughs> uh, yeah, that is weird. I think a lot of it has to do with the Gordon Hayward com- return. I think every time he goes back, it's going to be a big game. Yeah, uh, I mean, well, the Jazz this year have had, like I want to say, five or six games removed from the national TV schedule. Yeah, and you would think that that uh, some of those Golden State games would have been removed from national TV, but nope. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the big things we talked about in the NBA and Rap podcast is like flexing games, just like you t- like like you talked about with Golden State and Pelicans games early on when Zion wasn't playing. Yeah, yeah. and I think that that really hurt them, like not flexing those games. And then they were complaining about rating numbers. It's like, uh, nobody wants to watch the crappy games. I mean, on. I, I, like, it's, hard, it's hard to tell because, like, the California markets are so big, you know, and, like, Lakers and Golden State still draw, even though the Warriors are just trash right now. But um, as we saw earlier today, it sounds like uh, Steph Curry should be making a return soon. March 1st, baby. Yeah, uh, in, in, in the in the perfect anti-taking move by the the Warriors, who are actually not going to tank this year of all things, but who knows, you know? Who knows? Yeah. Jazz fans are forever salty about Warriors tanking because we could have had Harrison Barnes. I, I'm pretty, I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm uh, mad about that, but I mean, it worked out. But still, just like I was like, come on, like they said they weren't tanking. You, we know you were tanking. So. They were definitely tanking when they held Steph out that year when he could play because he wanted to play, but. You know, it is what it is. What yeah. Is. So, um, uh, so it's it's gonna be. So I was joking around with Jared earlier because like we're like, all right, well the Celtics are gonna be coming into Utah. Uh, it's a late game. It's eight thirty uh, local start time, ten thirty Eastern. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a back to back because the Jazz have not been the Jazz have not performed well when they've had the rest advantage. They have not. It's been it's been crazy uh, how how poorly they played. And the Jazz are on a a, a three game uh, losing streak mark. Um, and the Celtics have been playing pretty well. Like I know they lost to the Lakers. Uh, they're they're getting going to halftime. Game though, and they're missing yeah. Kemba. That was like so. a one possession game. Sheesh. Yeah, Celtics have been on a uh, dating back to even before the All Star break. I think, I think they've won eleven out of their last thirteen games. Yeah, Jay, Jay, um, Jay, playing like an All Star. We we've lost yeah. eight of our last twelve. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But before that, uh, you guys had won like fourteen or fifteen in a row, I believe. It was like yeah. it was like ten in a row yeah. and like fourteen out of fifteen. I mean, it was good. Like basketball is a game of runs, right? It's a roller exactly. Coaster. So yeah, um, we were but, nineteen and two or something over a twenty-one game stretch. Yeah, let's let's talk about um, uh, Kemba Walker here, uh, Mark. So plays in the All Star game and and comes back from All Star break not ready to play. Aggravate or re, did he re-aggravate an injury or just aggravate an injury? 
Uh, well, he's been kind of having this injury. He's had this injury kind of all season. Um, he's been held out oh. of games here and there throughout the year. Um, he went into the all-star break. He played, um, I mean, I'm sure you guys probably watched the game. They, all the yeah. starters played extended minutes, especially in that fourth quarter. It was so competitive and they're all trying to get to that, you know, that ending score, that new format that they had, that they had. Yeah. So Kemba ended up playing about, uh, 35 minutes. He didn't um, look great in the fourth quarter. I was like, Oh, Nick, oh, yeah. take Kemba uh, out. I had, yeah. I, had a, I had a bunch of Kemba Walker tweets that I tweeted out like, you know, Kemba Walker should not be, the, in the final five right now for Team Giannis. Yeah, exactly. He didn't, he didn't look good. He had some you know some pretty big shots earlier uh, in the game. Yeah, and, he did. Um, he, he actually did. had he like really good. he was up there in the MVP talks for that game. He was like twenty four points or something like that. Um, mm. He had an overall good game, but you know the big joke around here too in Boston is Nick Nurse purposely played him thirty five minutes. Yeah, that's the joke so. going around, right? That's so hilarious. Them, them in Toronto are going back and forth for the two seed right now. Nick, Nick Nurse is playing 40 chess, everybody. So you exactly. Watch out. <laughs> you know, I actually had this argument with one of my good buddies the other day. You know, he was saying that how Kemba is. You know, he's obviously you know 30 million dollar man. He's going to know his body better than that, and he's going to tell the coach when not to play. You know, but these players, they know their body, and the Celtics, you know, doctors and their training staff. If there was a minutes restriction or if he couldn't have played that much, they would have let them know. Yeah, you know, that so makes sense. That a makes part sense. of me, th- a part of me thinks Kemba, like he was feeling okay, and it's just something that. Happened to swell up right before um, the Timberwolves game, you know, the day before the Timberwolves game that they played last Friday. Oh, that yeah. makes sense. I mean, you would hope that the doctors are good, but like, look what's happening in Philadelphia that Ben Simmons has been dealing with something all, all season, and then all of a sudden now it's like maybe nerve damage. So, I mean, yeah, I do that, want to trust that the, was the wild, man. And like, sometimes they miss big things like this. It's, it's crazy. They do, yeah. And that Ben Simmons thing could be huge for them. He yeah. could be missing miss an extended amount of time. They're saying so. It might. Usually, when one of Embiid or Simmons isn't playing, they're a better team, right? Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't make any. It doesn't make any sense. They need to trade one of those two because they yeah. obviously don't work together. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, like they don't like yeah. like Jared and I on the first half of our, the podcast, we talked about chemistry and synergy issues. Yeah, and I think there's issues. definitely a chemistry issue with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid. Joel Embiid. Yeah. So. I think they uh, both want to be the top dog, and they do. And there's a little bit of a chemistry issue there, but there's also that team is not built either for both of them to succeed. Oh, I definitely like, agree with that. 100%. If you look, if you look at Help. them, like when when they were successful, you had like last Elton year when they, Brand they built them for the '98 Finals or something. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like they were surrounded by shooters. You had JJ Redick, who's been a knockdown shooter his whole career, and then you had Jimmy Butler, who's a bona fide closer. Is a guy at mm. the end of the game who can just go get you a bucket. And that's mm-hmm. they almost went to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. Obviously, lost Game Seven on that crazy shot by Kawhi last year. But ironically, um, uh, Jimmy Butler, who could hit a three last year, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, you know, not this year. They just you know, all they have <laughs> for knockdown shooters is really was Corkmonts and Tobias Harris. If he gets, he's wicked streaky. You know what I mean? You don't know yep. if you could. Yeah. Tobias Harris can hit three in a row, but he'll also miss four in a row. You know? Yeah. That's um, so the, that Philadelphia team is, and again, like I was half joking about the Sixers being better without Simmons, but because like you're not going to be better without one of the top 20 players in the league, but it does it does mean that Joel Joel Embiid will have if he stays healthy in the playoffs could be a huge monster. We'll see, you know, we'll see his ceiling. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you saw it last night when he had 49 points. Yeah, I mean that's so just a, obviously a, a glimpse of the monster that he is. I mean, he's, to me, he's the best back to the basket big man that we have in this league. 
Oh, um, yeah. I definitely have to agree with that. He all right. Well, plays better back to the basket than just about anybody. We talked um, uh, four minutes about the Philadelphia 76ers and lost <laughs> half our audience. So <laughs> that's the rest of the half and talk about the Boston well, Celtics. There we <laughs> go. Our uh, audience definitely hates the Sixers and Sixers yeah, fans. So. Uh, <laughs> us too, so don't worry about it. <laughs> this, this podcast is just for us now. So, this is uh, something we have in common. <laughs> you know, yeah. that meme with the two locking arms. Right, yeah. <laughs> so, Mark, um, uh, Celtics on a back-to-back. How do you feel about the Celtics? I mean, they're on a West Coast um, uh, road trip. Is this the third or fourth game of the road trip? Uh, the Jazz game will be their fourth game of the road trip. Last game, right? So. Um, yeah, their last game. Um, so Convention- it's not, and it's actually, go ahead. I'm oh, sorry. I was a conventional wisdom would say back to back last game of a four game road trip. Celtics should be tired, should not be as sharp, but unfortunately jazz fans have watched this all year where they've had the rest advantage. And we yeah, played sure. a seven player Denver team and we and like, yeah, just, and, and just, they've blown a lot of leads lately. And right now for the jazz, there's a lot of synergy chemistry issues on the court that, um, uh, their defense is just fallen off. So um, uh, what are the keys for the Celtics here and this, at the end of this trip here? Uh, well, so at the end of this trip, I mean, against, um, their biggest issues against, you know, going into the jazz game is going to be how they can handle Gobert. um, they're obviously their their um, weak spot would be, in my opinion, the the inside. Even though Daniel Tice has done a tremendous job this year, um, kind of holding down, but he's not um, he's not your temp, you know obviously your traditional big man and, and Gobert on, on the post. Um, the way they can defend him in the pick and roll will be huge. You know him rolling to the basket can get lobs, easy dunks, things like that. You just mm. don't have a guy that size that can can match that. And this um, catcher's not going to do that either. So yeah, and what the Celtics do good is their extremely long on the wings, right? So they have Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Gordon Hayward. Um, so they do a good job of timely double teams. So if Tyson's alone in the post by himself, they'll come down with a double team and they do a good job of team rebounding. Everybody will crash the boards. And that's why rebounding has, I think they're top 10 um, or, or they were top 12 in, in the league at rebounding uh, this year. And that's when, you know, a lot of people thought that was going to be their weakness coming into the season. Um, so they do a good job of overall as a team trying to combat everything. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh no, no, you're good. Um, yeah, I, I think the Celtics. The it's kind of interesting how I mean everybody likes to to bash Kyrie and whatnot, but the whole situation last year really was a detriment to their chemistry, and I think the Kemba Walker thing, him coming in and being basically a replacement for Kyrie really has been like a huge boon to the chemistry of that team. Would you say that that's accurate, Mark? Yeah, that's completely true. And then I'll, I'll give you guys a quote from Kemba a few games before the uh, all-star break. Um, I think it was actually the game before when he had 39 against the Clippers um, and they won that game in Boston. And, you know, they asked Kemba like, you know, what's it like to play with Jason Tatum and watch him grow? And he's like, He's like, I love taking a step back. I love letting him just be the guy and letting him do his thing. You know, whereas Kyrie last year would have been like, we got to teach these young guys. We need to get veterans in here. We got to do this. And he'd be throwing the young guys under the bus. Yeah. You know, so he, it's, he did that all the time. You're right. But it was all, all season. So, you I know, mean, Kyrie people, literally did that three weeks ago. Yeah, exactly. And you can see what happened, what's happening in, in Brooklyn with the, at the beginning of the season, the rumors that were coming out of, you know, the team not being happy and then Kyrie saying all this wild stuff that he says that, you know, half the world can't even understand. Um, and then, half the um, 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? The flat it's, world that he lives on. Exactly. <laughs> but chemistry is – I can tell you this just from playing basketball and then coaching it throughout the years. Chemistry is a huge – huge thing in basketball i don't care how much talent you have if you can't play together and put it all together it's not gonna work right. oh no mark wasn't here for the first half those were, <laughs> those were words that we, <laughs> word is out. we're gonna lose so mark uh, I, I don't really know daniel tice's game i know he's a, he's a banger and said does he have a lot of range uh he's actually uh this year he does he's actually developed a, a three-point shot oh really um, yeah, he can he can knock it down um, pretty consistently. I'd say for 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 what he's shown in the past seasons, he's definitely improved gotcha. in that area. And so he's you guys uh, play uh, a five out lineup sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Well, so he, he would be a five out lineup. We're gonna right? see a lot of that. Yeah, well, and he does Daniel a Tyson ton of. Um, you'll see him do a ton of pick and pops, kind of like they did with Al Horford last year. Oh, uh, okay. You know what I mean? Where, where they'd set the pick at the you know at the top of the key, and then he'd pop out the three point line. Um, yeah. and a lot of guys leave him open and he's been knocking down that shot. He had a, he had a few nice ones, uh, in Anthony Davis's face the other night, actually <laughs> uh, real gotcha. quick. I'm a, just a tangent. How do you feel about Al Horford now? Uh, so I think he's, I mean, I, I personally thought it was a huge blow to lose him. Um, because of what he brought to them uh, defensively, he he obviously one of our biggest rivals is Philly and he was the only, one of the only guys that could, I want to say shut down Joel Embiid, but make it hard for him. Uh, to work on the interior, um, he'll just have his toughest games against Al. Um, but this year, I just think Philadelphia is kind of losing using him wrong. He's more just strictly on the perimeter. He's he doesn't shoot. A, if you look watch them play, he shoots a lot of threes, more threes than he's usually used to shooting. Last year with the Celtics, he was in the post a lot, um, obviously being their top big guy. But he was also like mid range shooting those mid range like foul line elbow jumpers. Um, but now it seems like when Embiid's in the post, he's kind of just roaming that three-point line and getting the ball swinged. And he's, he's supposed to be – or they want him to be like a knockdown three-point shooter, and that's just not what he is. Yeah. Right. That, that doesn't seem like it's a great use of his talents. No. But, you know, that's what the Celtics have done – or not Celtics. <laughs> that's what the Sixers have done. They've taken a lot of guys that had a lot of promise – kind of mishmashed them together and now they've tanked some of their value <laughs> well to be honest what i think they did obviously they want they want al's you know to contribute to their team but what it did by taking al away from from boston was it it hurt boston at first yeah. because they didn't have kemba coming back and obviously like i said before of how well he played mb to the playoffs and stuff right um so that obviously hurts your rival as well so yeah, yeah so but I, it seems like it's not a smart move to throw thirty, almost thirty million dollars a year at a guy just to hurt your rival. That's yeah, I don't kinda... like the contract. I like the signing. <laughs> I don't like the contract. Yeah, so that's some. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? I, yeah, I was kind of. I'm leading, with you, hundred percent. I was leading to this point that um, when the Jazz lost Gordon Hayward to the Celtics, it was a huge blow to the Jazz. Obviously, the Jazz lost basically someone they thought was going to be the franchise. He was player. an All Star. And yeah, uh, you know, awesome. the all star that year. Yeah, he was. Yeah. Um, I, I had a Boston Celtics fan uh, at work when I worked at where I did at the time, and he was like, he's a Boston fan. And the signing happened. The Monday came, and he's like, hey man, how do you feel about the Jazz losing the Celtics? And for like that July Fourth, that day was pretty hard. I was like, oh man, I was mad because the Jazz did almost everything they could to re-sign him. Like they they put a good team around him. They were in the playoffs. They had a first round. Uh, Victory over the Clippers, who they were supposed to lose to. 
and yet the Jazz were still not able to re-sign their own their own free agent who they drafted, you know? And yeah. that was the hard part. That was the hardest part to swallow. Losing Gordon Hayward, the player, I didn't mind as much because as much as Gordon Hayward was really good that year for the Jazz, I don't think he was $35 million plus good. And um, I was like, that's a, that would be, as, as a Jazz fan, you have to overpay for your guys. You know, you got to pay the small market tax. It's unfortunate, but those are the rules that we have, you know? Yeah, and, and he might not have, not have been that good, but that year, if you remember him, he was that he was the best free agent in that class. He was. Yeah. So, and, so, yeah. so just like that, that's what's going to happen these days in the NBA. They're just, no matter who you are, if you're the top free agent, that's just the money that they get. Yeah, um, as long as look with at these contracts are crazy. crazy. Yeah, or even by the cap space. The biggest thing that I can I can talk about was like um I don't know if you if you guys remember I don't know how much Celtics basketball that you actually work but one of Brad Stevens's first years with the Celtics when they had Evan Turner Evan Evan Turner hit the market and he went to Portland they gave him he gave him ridiculous money like eighteen million a year or some crap like that yeah exactly and that turned into a big albatross for Portland for years to come exactly and I don't want to harp on because I actually don't have that many ill feelings toward Hayward. He kind of did what he had to do. He's a free agent. It sucks because the Jazz basically lost him for nothing. Uh, and I, I don't think he's a max contract player, but again, Tobias Harris is a max contract player. There's a lot of guys who aren't max contract players in the league. Exactly. At, least, at least Gordon Hayward is playing close to something like that. Like Gordon Hayward's had a pretty good year. A little inconsistent, but he's had a really good year coming back from that injury. Yeah, a couple o- years overall. Ago. Yeah, he's. He, uh, I think he's playing solid ball. He, he's playing really good. I mean, other than uh, the beginning of the season, he was averaging like the first 10, 11 games, like 22 points a game. And then he got hurt and he missed a couple weeks. Um, but lately in the last 12 games, he's averaging about 19 a game. So he's getting right back up to that pace that he was at the beginning of the season. Nice. Um, so he's, he's playing, I mean, he's playing really good. And I mean, he's going to have to for the Celtics to ultimately do what they what they want to do. So uh, the Jazz game, I guess the Celtics scare me because the Celtics are a good team. The Jazz in this uh, recent skid have lost to two sub-500 teams. Um, and the Celtics, like we, you talked about the, the wings, you know. So tomorrow, if there's no Kimmel Walker... It's going to be Marcus Smart. It's going to be Brown, Tatum, Hayward, uh, and if the if the Celtics play anything sort of a switching defense like the Rockets do, the Jazz are going to have a hard time getting shots up. And that's uh, exactly a, what the Celtics do: is they switch every, they switch everything. And they can they, they, they that's smart see, for them. <laughs> this this is why we always struggle with them though, because they they do the same type of thing and then they randomly will throw out a zone at us and. For whatever reason, the Jazz get flummoxed, flummoxed by the zone randomly. And without think, Kate, go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. And Kemba's your weak spot on defense, so it's not like you're, there's a point to exploit. Well, that's so, what I was, was going to say. So without Kemba, we lose a little bit offensively, but you put Marcus Smart in, and then we have our best defensive lineup in there that you can have. Yeah. yeah the Jazz are going to have to uh, hope that, number one, um, uh, the Celtics, um, uh, are going to be playing in altitude and their legs aren't uh, under them. And the Jazz need to find their defensive identity, uh, you know, really like focus down, make them a Tatum, Hayward, Brown, smart, shoot hard threes. At or, the same time, I feel like shot. the Jazz, at the same time, you know, we're talking, we're ragging on the Jazz a little bit on our side. And, you know, this is, this is what we do in, in Utah. Like people get mad at the Jazz and like, you sh- you should see Jazz Twitter, man. They're t- people are, <laughs> They're especially ruthless. after that loss to the Suns, man. It was like 
the sun was exploding on Jazz Twitter. Uh, <laughs> um, anyways, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so basically, uh, I feel like the Jazz always bring their A game when they play the Celtics because of the Hayward thing. Because it, it feels like ever since that, since then they've re- they've really worked to whenever they play the Celtics to play well, and so I think it gives me it gives me hope that they can that they'll. It's because I don't think it's just an effort thing or it's just any one thing. I think there's been some multifaceted issues. Then who and I talked about this earlier, but um, there there's some whatever it is that's holding the Jazz back. Hopefully they'll you know they'll get it together for tomorrow night because it's a matchup that that we like out here. I mean, cause we, we've, we like that. It. It's sort of just a little bit of a rivalry game, you know, with that, uh, us losing that free agent to you guys. We enjoy that. I mean, we enjoy anytime we, f- we feel relevant because all so many times like the jazz are looked at as irrelevant. <laughs> yeah. And it's just good too. When you play just a good team, you know, you get matchups, you get that competition and yeah, you get that exactly. challenge to kind of, kind of see where you're at in the pecking order of, of the NBA. And, yeah. and the, I think it's going to be a close game too, like you said, because the, the Jazz always do play the Celtics tough, and um, you know guys like Ingles and Mitchell. Ingles, I feel like, always kills us um, from the outside. Yeah, well, he's, wait, he wait you, uh, I feel like he doesn't miss. <laughs> wait till you wait till you meet Utah Jazz uh, Jordan Clarkson now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's the re- he, revitalized. He looks way better Clarkson. than he did in Cleveland. Yeah, it was hell it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's uh, you know what's so wild is he pulls out these moves that you're just like. Oh my goodness! He learned that from Kobe. That—that's a shot I recognize. <laughs> yeah, that's true. A lot of people forget he was with. Was I mean, yeah, where he started yeah, out was yeah, with, yeah, with people LA. People forget about the time he spent with Kobe, and you're just like, it really shows, and it's crazy. Yeah, they had. Um, you guys probably remember this. Obviously, after after Kobe passed, they replayed his uh, sixty point final game, and I'm watching it, and I see Jordan Clarkson making these alley oop dunks, threes. Him and DeAndre Russell are just going like, oh my god! Like I forgot how good Clarkson could actually be, or actually was at that time. <laughs> yeah, wait till yeah the the Jazz lost twice at night, so yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> all right, so uh, Mark, I I, I don't want to give you insider secrets, but I'm pretty sure the Jazz coaching staff listens to this podcast. So why don't you give us how the Jazz can beat the Celtics tomorrow? How the Jazz can beat the Celtics? That's a good. That's, that's a tough question because I obviously think the Celtics are going to win. But how the Jazz? <laughs> can, <laughs> how the Jazz can beat the Celtics? Um, I think, like I said earlier, a, a steady dose of, of Rudy Gobert. Um, they have had some issues uh, with big guys like Joel Embiid and obviously Giannis uh, in the Eastern Conference have had some pretty big games against them, um, and they're going to have to knock down their shots. Like I think it's going to be tough for them to. Um, like I said, with the length and the wings to kind of dribble penetrate, uh, they do a good job switching, like I said, and they switch almost everything. Um, so if the, you know, on the Celtics mistakes, if they happen to go under an angle screen or something like that, they got to make the jazz have to make them pay. I think if the jazz can be consistent enough from the outside, um, they, they could potentially pull off a win here. Um, and, and I think, I think it is going to be a close game. So the Celtics coming off the back to back. Um, and the last game, you know, of the of the West Coast trip, um, there could be a little bit of uh, fatigue there. Um, so mm. I do make it. I think it is going to be a good game. And uh, if the Jazz can consistently, you know, like I said, hit their outside shots and, and you know mix in a little bit of Rudy Gobert, um, they could really, you know, make this one close. Gotcha. 
Uh, you hear that, Quinn Snyder? That's how you do it. Right there. That's the strategy. I don't think Quinn needs any tips from me. <laughs> <laughs> right right now, Jazz Nation will take anything, Mark. <laughs> it is a low time in, in, in Jazz Nation. So, uh, All right. Uh, Jeremy, you have any other questions for Mark here? Uh, no, I think... Uh... No, let's let's let him riff about uh, yeah. We we covered the game projects well. and stuff. Jazz, Jazz Celtics late start tomorrow night, eight thirty Mountain, ten thirty Eastern. Uh, so Mark, like I said, so you you've been hosting NBA Unwrapped uh, with the Unwrapped Sports Network. Um, uh, how did you get started with that? Yeah, so um, I started out with uh, Unwrapped Sports, um, basically just seeing a post and looking for contributors, and I matched them, and you know told them I'd be interested with working with the NBA department. Um, you know, and they, they had me on and they, they, you know, got me aboard the team. Um, and then after doing a little bit of contributing with the um, NBA department articles and whatnot, obviously being active on Twitter, um, they were looking for a co-host um, for the NBA Unwrapped podcast. Fortunately, the other, general, uh, other guy's schedule got busy and they just needed somebody. So um, the other co-host actually messaged me and asked me, hey, do you want to, you know, do this podcast? So I was like, of course. You know, I love talking hoops and, and everything like that. So, um, you know, NBA Unwrapped, we do that once a week. Um, new episodes come out. Um, me and um, Charlie Pelkey, um, another member of Unwrapped Sports, um, you know, great topics. It's like a debate show, kind of like a, you know, Skip and Shannon type thing. And we go back and forth on a lot of topics and, you know, things going on in the NBA. So um, it's definitely fun to do. And, and I love doing it. And like I said, talking basketball is, is it's great. Good deal. Do you guys ever have any jazz talk on there? Uh, not recently. But I've only done <laughs> understandably I've only done, so. So so I've only done like three episodes. Oh, okay, because gotcha. um, I just I literally just started doing that part of it. But um, oh, okay. I, I guess the only jazz thing we would say we talked is we talk about when the All Stars were coming out. Oh, how, nice. um, yeah, like who we thought should make the all-star team and we kind of gave our all-star picks and actually we, we both had oh, Gobert yeah. and Mitchell, we both had Gobert and Mitchell on our, our teams. Yeah. I remember you guys asked him for picks. Yeah. That was, yeah. That was so, stuff. so we, we did that. So, uh, I'm sure the, the jazz make it interesting here in the West. We'll definitely talk about them for sure. Hopefully, um, uh, you get, you guys get to see the Celtics. will get to see all-star Gobert tomorrow. Just catching oops the whole time. Yeah, I mean, that, like I said, man, that's what I'm. That's what I'm nervous about. That's what gives the Celtics trouble. Right. Um. Uh. So. Uh. So yeah. So you're you're doing the hosting for Unwrapped Sports. You're writing uh, articles in the newsletter. Uh. Where can um, uh, people find you on Twitter? Uh. You can follow me. Um. My uh, name is at underscore hoops dreams pod. Uh. Hoop dreams pod. Um. That's actually my new podcast that I'm coming out with. I'm actually looking to to launch that uh, early in March. Um, I got awesome. some things in, in the work and everything, talking about basketball and stuff, and kind of for everybody who's actually, you know, the real hoopers out there who actually love the game of basketball. Basically, the the reasoning behind it is everybody started out with a hoop dream, right? If you if you're into basketball, you played basketball growing up. Everybody started out with a hoop dream, and most likely that was making it to the NBA, playing professional basketball as a little kid, obviously. And then over the years, if that doesn't work out, things change. You know, for me, like for instance, my hoop dream ended up being to contribute to unwrap sports and talk about basketball in that sense. Um, so I'm going to talk about things like that and, and obviously the NBA and the college hoops, kind of all things basketball. So I'm uh, oh, very excited to get that started. Yeah. Uh, are you, you going to do like history type stuff, like throw in like, you know, just random uh, stories and backgrounds about people's hoop dreams and stuff? Yeah, exactly. And then I'll talk about like, you know, I'll have people on and talk about, you know, when's the first time you fell in love with the game of basketball or what drew you to the game of basketball? Why did oh, you decide to 
go all in. You know, for me, it was, you know, as a kid, I was watching Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant growing up and I saw those guys, you know what I mean? And then that just yeah. made me love the game and fall in love with the game. And, uh, you know, everybody has their own stories. So, um, trying to, you know, kind of have some guests on and then, uh, talk out some, some, talk some hoops with everybody. Love it, man. That sounds great. Yeah, you took my question. I was about to ask you what made you fall in love with the game, but you already answered it. So <laughs> yeah, well, it's that too, and it's. I mean, there was. I can remember strictly in my life there was two moments personally in my life that I realized like I actually loved the game of basketball. One of them when I was like nine years old, I was playing in the rec basketball league, and we lost, and I just went home and cried because I thought I'd never play basketball again because the season was over. And then my parents oh. went out and bought me a basketball hoop that day. And I just oh, could, and wow. I just play right. And That's then, incredible. <laughs> another another time was again playing. You know, when I was eleven, playing rec basketball. Me and my buddies we lost the playoff game, and we got taken out because we were getting blown out at the end. And me and my buddies were just sitting on the bench, just sobbing. Oh, we're just like, man. you know what I mean? Just at that age, like yeah, you just want to sure. play, especially at that age, man. You know what Absolutely. I mean? And I'm like, damn. I was like, I rarely wanted. Like, I love this game. Like, I want to play it all the time. I want to, you know, do this and and whatever. And so. That's when you just start working on your game and practicing every day and 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 doing your thing. Yeah, man, that, that was a humble brag that you had nurturing parents. Awesome, dude. Yeah. <laughs> some some of us, some of us are last kids. All right, man. We have to we have to fend for ourselves. I don't think mom and dad are listening, but I love you guys. <laughs> well, share it with them. Make sure they listen. <laughs> I will. I do. Honestly, I do. All my all my my father just got an iPhone for the first time. I'm like, hey, you can listen to podcasts on here. Look at this, this app. <laughs> yeah, that's, my, that's really cool man that's i think my awesome. parents some um, uh they hear me edit my podcast and this so they hear me listening to my own voice and think i must be just be nuts or something so <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, do, uh, do your parents come and visit you now who like on occasion oh you know <laughs> mark i'm uh so you talked about your hoop dreams about like now that you're so like what do you like about like how did you start podcasting how did you get started with unwrapped sports like how did you get to where you are now so, uh, podcasting was, um, I started, a, I started a podcast, um, last year in January, um, with my, my three buddies, uh, or two of my buddies, um, you know, obviously I was the third guy and, um, you know, I just told them, I was like, you know, guys, we, whenever we hang out, we literally just, you know, talk sports. Like, that's what we do. Why not put it on, why not put it on, you know, radio? Why not make a podcast for it? You know, it would be fun. It would just be us hanging out, talking sports. So uh, we ended up doing that for like half of the year last year. And then my buddies got, you know, we all got kids and stuff. So like things kind of got in the way. My buddies couldn't make time for it and things like that. So that kind of stopped, you know, but I never really stopped. I kind of always wanted to stay with it. And then that's like I said, earlier, that's when I found Unwrap and, um, you know, messaged them and, and got on with them. And, and I always wanted to podcast. So I've just been trying to figure out the right thing to do. You know, and I wanted to talk something where it wasn't just me um, coming on and being like, all right, tonight in the NBA, we got this team playing this team and their record is this and they're playing, you know what I mean? And just going over stats and stuff like that was something I could actually kind of connect with the people with. And um, so that's kind of how I came up with this idea of, of the Hoop Dreams pod. Yeah, that's awesome, man. So, um, well, we're glad you're here. Glad you're part of Unwrapped Sports like we are. Um, uh, we love being part of this uh, great network that has, you know, basketball talk, Celtics talk, jazz talk, football, baseball, everything. Um, uh, I, I know that Jared and I do sportscaster. I assume you do, too. Yep. Um, yeah, so it's, it's just great to be able to talk sports, like you said. Like, um, uh, my story is similar. Like, I, I've always been talking sports to, with friends, and now I just do it um, uh, for the airwaves. Exactly. So. And my thing was like my current like my current nine to five is I, I work at a Lexus car dealership. 
that's my nine to five. That's my day job, but I hate it. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I don't like it, but it pays the bills, you know? Right, so right. I got a family to feed, things like that. Um, but that doesn't mean I can't, you know, hopefully, you know, take this next chapter in my life and take this step up and, and start talking sports and, and hopefully doing some big things with it. Awesome. So the advice that I got from Mark there is that if you want to start podcasting, folks, just get rid of your kids and then you'll have all the time in the world. <laughs> exactly. Kids take up a or, lot of or, time. Or get a job you hate so that you have to <laughs> that you have to find like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. When you have a job that you don't like, you kind of your passions become more, you know, to the forefront and stuff and it's like, well, man, I really got to start doing this, you know what I mean? I'm with and, you. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah, the whole kid. If you guys don't have kids, so make it. You know, if you guys want to lose some time, definitely have some kids. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mark, it's been a pleasure. Thank you for taking some time out of your your night, time out of watching um uh, your Celtics play tonight, and joining us today. Uh, Jared, where can they find you on Twitter and Instagram and everything that you run for us? <laughs> uh well, uh, so we just launched our new. Jazz High Notes Facebook page. And uh, we've got that Instagram account. They're linked. You know, also Jazz High Notes. The Twitter account's at Jazz High Notes, which who runs? Uh, but you can find me. <laughs> you can find me at Go the Distance 49 on Twitter. Nice. Or, you know, uh, there's actually a cool little feature where you can leave uh, messages for the podcast on Anchor, which is awesome. <laughs> So if you guys ever have a question or whatever, just drop us a line on here or on Twitter and or any of our other social media platforms, and we're on it. Um, who actually reads reviews on air? I don't know if you guys listened last week, but that was that's pretty that's pretty our, legit. He, he our our our, uh, our one star review. The, they were not happy with our Jazz Gals episode. So <laughs> yeah, the, that was kind of brutal. Their 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 take there. I'm just like. Yeah. Dang, man. I mean, you well, listen to one episode. Like, <laughs> well, you know, to be fair, it was the only episode he's ever listened to. He doesn't like he talked about us not talking about Utah Jazz diehard fan. If you're listening now, we do talk jazz basketball. So, you know, <laughs> yeah, we do listen to yeah. this whole podcast. We talked like nothing but jazz basketball. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm at who trans Superman on Twitter um, at, at jazz high notes on Twitter uh, at jazz high notes on Instagram. As Jared said, uh, guys, it's been a pleasure. Hopefully. We'll see Celtics Jazz um, uh, later tonight. If you're listening on Wednesday morning, uh, we'll see how, how how it goes. See if the Jazz can get off the schneid, as they say. So, uh, Mark, thank you again for joining. Um, enjoy the rest of your uh, Celtics Blazers, and we'll see you guys next time.